Hey, boss. I'm sorry. In times like these, being a citizen is a big job. Thank you for joining us to celebrate the virtues of self-rule and debate the state of our republic. Welcome to the Citizen's Prerogative Podcast. This is the voice of your nerdy host, Michael Piscatelli, and we are blessed with a co-host whose passion for our republic precedes him everywhere he goes, Raymond Wong Jr. The first duty of society is justice. Thank you for having me. This is episode number 23. The name of it will be something like The Long Road to Social Justice. So last week, um, we dropped an episode and we let everybody know that we've revised the format. We're doing 30 minutes. We're sticking to it. And we introduced a few topics um, just to preview them last week and, and now in the subsequent weeks starting with this episode we're going to be digging in and, and dedicating each episode to, to one of these items. Today, we're talking about social justice and the scope of defund the police. Um, we're going to talk about the defund the police movement, what we believe it means, what what we should be doing about it, and and you know, rather than fighting against it, we need we need to understand the roots of this. Um, and look at it as the opportunity it really is. I hope by the end of the episode, uh, those of you who are listeners out there become a little bit closer to the idea of what what the future may look like after the police have been defunded or a- after those resources have been allocated to do more than they do today, I think is the ultimate goal. I think when when we originally started to talk about the topic, uh, we've tried to be very mindful of defund the police. You know, this is a, a very controversial brand, if you will. It's very, um, it's very, it causes a lot of energy in both sides of the spectrum. But we don't think that blowing it up is appropriate. We think that understanding it and analyzing it, it's obvious that it's it's struck emotions on both sides of, of the aisle, if you will. And in that sense, uh, we really need to figure out what it's all about and not distance from it, but lean into it and expand it. You never judge a book by its cover. Don't judge defund by its cover. Thank you, Ray. That's exactly right. Um, and I've struggled with this as well, you know, because I'm I'm not a big fan of the phrase defund the police. And I know a lot of people get hung up on the terminology, but where I've come to on this is to think of it more like a practice. Um, people are starting to throw out the terminology like, divest, reinvest, you know, divest from police, invest in communities. Ultimately, Ray and I were talking about this beforehand, you know, there's going to be some time before we realize what the package of solutions or the most common um, package of solutions that we can grasp as a society and name it and replace defund the police with the name of the actual solutions <laughs> that that come after you've defunded them. So in any case, we're not going to get bogged down into that. I, we just want everybody to consider this as a practice. Defund the police is a practice for all of us to move towards a future where we've achieved more equilibrium in the social social justice space. And so with that in mind, we're not going to spend too much time talking about what defund the police means. I think there's been a lot of discussion about it already, and we want to pivot more towards what the solutions are, because the biggest issue with defund the police is that it just talks about the first step. 
right? It does, the name of the that phrase does not tell you where you end up. It does not tell you what the end looks like at all. All it says is start here, start here, defund the police. Okay, then what? <laughs> so this episode is dedicated to answering the question. So then what? <laughs> So then what, Michael? I mean, we defund the police. We say, you know, we shut them down. We close the doors. We lock them, right? And we like take all their guns away and we put their cars into uh, uh, homeless shelters so they can use it to cart people. Is that what we're talking about? <laughs> Quite possibly. Um, this is where the opportunity comes in, right? So for each community, we have to look at what our needs are. What, what are our needs on the ground? You know, do we have large populations of elderly people? Do we have large populations of people with mental health issues? You know, cities have different problems than rural communities do. And I'll use the word problem with air quotes. It's more like an opportunity to better serve the community at large. And so it takes different forms in different places. Like I think Oregon, there's, there's a few like cities or states that have come up with programs where you call Maybe you call 911 and there's a different set of questions that the operator asks the person who's calling in so that they can determine, because today they'll, when you call in, they're asking questions to determine whether or not, is it just the police? Is it just the paramedic? Is it just the firefighter? Is it a combination of those things? Is there you know, some combination of problems where I need to dispatch several um, potential solutions out to this individual or groups? So expanding that service, expanding that menu of available options, because sending an armed officer out to respond to every situation that could be a problem isn't necessarily the solution. I, I think we can all agree, especially if you know there's no armaments on site. Don't send weapons into an area that doesn't have weapons to begin with. Um, People get nervous, though, when you talk about the idea of eliminating the police. And, and to be clear, in no place where the defund movement has taken hold, have they been able to completely disband the police department? I, I don't know that I've come across any examples where it's been so wildly successful that they've completely disbanded a police department. I think it's going to be a long road to find all the solutions to fully supplant what the calls are coming to 911 today. And maybe it's creating another, like in, in our city, we have a 311 for everything that's not 911, not emergency related. And so all these different communities, like I said, it's, it's an opportunity for us to look at that budget. Every locality that has a police department has a budget for it and there are local tax dollars funding that budget. So you'd say, okay, well, if we have a lot of homelessness, you know, homes and mental health and, and other issues probably should take a chunk of that police budget. No, all an officer can do is show up and put someone in jail, which shifts the cost from one burden to another prisons, which is another issue because there's so much money in prisons, but we're not going to get into the money side. We're not going to get into the economics behind putting people in jail, right? That's a separate issue. That's a separate topic. I digress. In any case, um, each of our communities need to come up with a way. And, it, and that's where it, it, it gets hard because it's nebulous. There's a lot of possible solutions. And so, you know, the road to get there 
is a long one and it probably involves a lot of community meetings, um, a lot of community led discussions to understand what the needs are, what the fears are. Um, you know, you know and- Michael, as you say, I mean, I just have to say, as you're saying this, I feel like it's almost like it'd be a good idea if you had a, a system of government which allowed for strong local leadership and allowed for a constitution uh, that sets up the framework for states to exist and figure it out on their own as the incubators of democracy. Oh, wait, isn't that how we're set up, right? So I think what we're saying is that we're already set up to deal with this, folks. We have a system in place, which is our current state of government. And that's why, you know, the state's rights are, are very important when it comes to matters like this. It is not for the Fed to necessarily cascade a large judgment across all departments. And a large-scale defunding doesn't make sense. I really appreciate you saying that, Mike, because I think you do have to remember about the local community, right? A rural farming community has a much different need it is as far as equipment is concerned. They need equipment probably that can help them deal with large-scale farming accidents, right? Tractors uh, driving into other cars and things like that. Whereas we would have more vehicular-to-vehicular accidents, right? There would be a different approach. The community would have a different experience and they would need different funding alignments. I, I think I, I completely agree with that. Um, but I just have to say, you're you're right. We're we're structured though. We're structured to accomplish this, friend. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for calling that out. And that and that's why we don't want people to get distracted by or turned off by the terminology for these things because it it's in all of our vested interest. It doesn't matter what your politics are. We all want to live in a safe community, right? And and being safe is not fearing the state, the armed officers of the state, which the majority do fear in a lot of cases, um, you know, we need to, we need to come up with a system now that, that represents all of us and it cares for all of us. The system we have in place today is a remnant of bygone eras, um, you know, not to harp on it, but, you know, fugitive, you know, the, the recapture of fugitive slaves, escaped slaves from the South and all that stuff, I'm sure folks um i actually i can't say that i'm sure that folks really understand the history of policing because if you don't please dig into it a little bit more i know we've touched on it and and the purpose of this episode is not to dig into that um but there is you know there is a lot of racial underpinnings um historically for these agencies and they haven't been built from the ground up by the communities they were established as a power structure to maintain control of populace um, for the sake of probably money, right? If I think about San Francisco, the police department, first and foremost, is there to protect people who have assets that need to be protected, which were the wealthy, <laughs> the wealthiest, in, right? We, we can't digress too much, right? Because no, I mean, anyway, but let's sorry. say this very clearly that like the IRS, which we've spoken about before, the Internal Revenue Service was originally created to deal with prohibition violations, right? Mm. They were there to deal with revenues being sought through illegal means. So our, our government is, is rooted with always a control mechanism or, or a way of trying to um, maximize or minimize the public's damage to themselves, right? The government 
that's why he says built from the top down because all these smart people at the top think we have to protect these people from themselves and that's where the department the police department charters came from that's where they were built from that is their legacy so when they are said by the wealthy elites please control the masses for our sake that's what they do and they're very good at it they're very efficient at keeping us in our place and we're going to expand on that more this topic's going to go for a while not today of course yeah yeah but there's a it's a web right it spins off um lots of things for us to discuss so with that i'm gonna go ahead and have us take a break do a little mid-roll here's a message from our sponsor citizen do good fulfilling a dream where all possess an intrinsic love for self-rule that is reciprocated with free speech and equal justice under the law Citizen Do Good values the promise of all of the amendments to the Constitution along with the original core documents. Taken together, they form a framework and an operating manual for our republic, and it provides us the means to change with our times. The time is now to deeply re-examine our current implementation of governance for the dawning of a new day. We are a proud sponsor of the Citizens Prerogative Podcast, a major partner in spreading the good work about civic love and the power of change for us all. Help us stay on mission and grow this community by rating the podcast with five stars on iTunes, through the app on the web, or on your device. If you don't feel like you can give us five stars, let us know why on our sponsor's Facebook page, Citizen Do Good. Like and follow that page to help out even further. Make sure you've joined our newsletter at citizendogood.com. You'll get updates every couple of months on all of our antics, not just the podcast. And while you're there, check out the shop, which has your favorite merch and provides a way to make a one-time contribution to help us pay for production and hosting costs. Feel free to share any suggestions you have directly through the Contact Us page. Thanks for your support. So, Ray, um, I kicked us off of a digression um, heading into the mid-roll there. <laughs> well, you uh, know, that was definitely going to bring us. I felt like we were going to get back into the, uh, it's the a essence, good right? So defund. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and a, I'm, the, the point is, is those things were set up, right? They were set up before yeah. us, not for us, for other reasons. And now is the time for us to kind of like pull back the veil and say, what do we want for our tax dollars, Right. It's the first time we get to construct. I was going to call it like a public service to protect. Well, and serve. I, I was, I, <laughs> I was thinking like, do we really have to reinvent the wheels? Like most companies have figured it out, right? How do you like, how do you defund? Like they, they minimize costs all the time. And one of the ways most companies did it is they introduced key operating metrics. And then some of the staff can't meet key operating metrics and they attrite. And it reduces the overall size of staffing. I, I've seen it done time and time again in corporations. And so that's the same thing we could do for the police. Why don't we have metrics that show number of shots file, fired, number of people successfully delivered to justice, number of rulings in the cop's favor, right? Why don't we just put some core baseline metrics to what's important to us as citizens? How many, you know, the, we want to promote the people that kill the least people the people that properly deliver justice. I think there are ways to put key metrics. And I'm wondering Mm. if defund the police should start with, let's see what, what the police is doing to make sure they are properly run. Like what are their leadership metrics? What are their promotional structures? Yeah. What are the metrics that measure how safe they are keeping communities? 
you know, and if it's how many dollars they brought in, which I bet you're going to find some, I bet you will find some organizations that focus on how many tickets they issue and Revenue. things like that. That's a problem, right? And we talked, we spoke, we broached on that a little bit. A lot of police departments we need to um, also remember is that they were created to bring fine income, right? To, to assess tickets and bring income into city coffers because some cities had no other ways to make revenue outside of the police department. And that was true for Ferguson, right? They had a deep review and where their police department was funding a huge portion of their city government. And that's what we're talking about. Defund the police is a, is a holistic look at all of these components and special interests that have weeded their ways into ra racism being one of those, weeded their ways into the system. Yeah. And if you, I was just thinking about loss of life as like a metric, you know, and if loss of life, minimizing loss of life was critical. I'm thinking to myself, like all of these scenarios where I would expect the police to show up, like the most obvious one would be, for instance, maybe bank robbery. Right. I was going to say too. How you funny say we're so like, like, I was in my mind, I was like, bank robbery, right? Like, what else? How we can all agree. Otherwise? Right. Can't we all Not agree? a bakery robbery, but a Not bank a, robbery. <laughs> Not the bakery, the bankery. <laughs> so, you know, the bank robber is always typically throughout history the easiest one to point at and say, okay, well, you know, we want we want police officers to show up at the bank robbery. And I'm like, well, now I'm, I'm running through my mind and I'm like, Oh, think about, I'm thinking about how we're executing um, the follow-up after the insurrection. Um, a, a lot of these law enforcement activities where it, maybe the way to do the least harm is to let people finish what they started and go get them later. Now, I know this is kind of crazy, but like I'm thinking of a bank robbery and if the so police good, show up, the police show up and they start shooting back and forth, right? You're going to have bystanders. You're going to have a problem. Just let the bank, just let the bank get robbed. This is going to sound crazy, but <laughs> no, no, no. Let, them, let them finish the robbery and go get them later. Just use surveillance, use what you need to do, but don't, don't put anybody else in harm's way because there's already people in harm's way by the robbers robbing the bank. But what is the way to minimize the loss of life? Let them leave, let them take the money, leave, go get them later. You don't need to cause the shootout right then and there, right? Maybe that they just, they create a zone for them to exit, right? They block off the streets, yeah. the police keep a distance, they keep bystanders, try and keep anybody away from the robbers. But they shouldn't go in there all guns blaring because of, like you said, because of the ego, the we're going to go get the bad guys problem. Get them. <laughs> well, because that's going to make the best news, right? So the yeah. they can show they're doing their jobs. But I, I can't believe it. I never thought because I was all for they, they, of course, they go in guns blazing when there's a bank robbery. But you're right. Like pulling back and surveilling is a much more intelligent approach, right? That is strategic. Mm -hmm. And you're right, that is a component, I want to tie it back, of defund the police, folks. So we're saying that this overwhelming intimidation method, right, where they flood and intimidate, that's what they do, right? When they pull over a grandma, then five police show up because that's necessary. That's what we're saying about defund police where it, where it does make sense, where you reallocate. They're showing up and they're, they're flooding the area with danger. But instead, we're saying if you pull back with a very small intelligent surveillance apparatus and you deploy a unit when they're ready, when the when the when that criminal is sitting there like we did it, we pulled it off, no heat. Um, and then you show up like, oh, by the way, 
we've got you in a nice because guess what they're not going to go into a crowded area they're going to go to an isolated area and try mm. to hide and try to disperse right that's the optimal place I mean, that does, that does touch on surveillance a little bit, you know, Mike. So we're going to have to, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. There's a whole web because in, in my mind too, ultimately what happens is, is all those scenarios you call up where we would think we would agree legitimately the police should show up. The, the solution to the problem ultimately is not the police. That's, that's Cotter. That's just like, you know, tying off the wound. It's not stopping the bleeding. The police are never going to stop bleeding the person robbed the bank, unless they're doing it for fun, maybe they were doing it because they needed the money. And so if we had a society where people didn't have to rob to eat, right, they didn't have to rob to have money for basic necessities, chances are theft would decrease. Like if everybody had enough, that's really the core problem. There aren't a lot, I'm, I'm, I'm going to venture a guess that there aren't a lot of thieves that are robbers for the fun of it, not to say that there aren't, but I think the vast majority of cases where people need something and that's why something is, there's a robbery or something like that is underway. So if we were actually to take the money that we were investing in the police and prisons and the military <laughs> and we were giving people a livable, you know, a livable income wherever they needed it so that we were preventing homelessness, right? That, that's a core fundamental solution that allows you to defund the police right it enables you not to necessarily need the police force if you solve some of the other problems around it go ahead i hate to use an old term i'm sorry about that but i hate to use an old term but i'm the historian in the room but you know idle hands are the devil's playpen and i think that's the challenge is that we 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 generate we generate criminals we create drug addicts we create criminals in our society and then we have a mechanism to punish them so they don't trouble the rich and the wealthy and the established and that is kind of the, the problem here is that the we you cannot if an individual has no money to go out and dine every night if the individual doesn't have money to go see a movie with their whole family if individuals don't have the income because this is a pay to play country you can't do anything in our country outside of a city park, which probably isn't widely available in depressed communities. Outside of that, you don't have many options. So what happens is that people are depressed. They need to fill their time. They don't have necessarily electronics to fill their day. They don't have the iPads. What happens is that I think that drugs are cheap, they're accessible, and they fill the time. And that's what happens to so many individuals. And they get caught in that string um, inadvertently, uh, but also just to try to ease the pain of not being able to live the lives they see on TV, the best outlet they have to anything. You want them to sit in front of the TV all day and be content with living vicariously through all of these wealthy people. And that's not good enough for some people. Sometimes to supplement that, they take a little something to take the edge off after they work their 12 hours and still don't have enough money to feed their family. It is a complicated scenario to be in. And people who sit at the top and judge and the officers who sit and judge because there are officers who will say to people, don't do drugs as they're being arrested. Yeah. Well, great. That's easy. Officer who's amply income, you know, has an income, has a job, and is protected by all these people around him. Must be nice for that yeah. person who was all alone. Yeah. Yeah, we have it. Uh, and, and honestly, that, that also paints 
a juxtaposition or the alternative perspective that's really unfair to people we ask to join the police force, right? To do police work. It's it's really actually unfair that we've created such a sick society at large, right? We've created all of these opportunities for, for people to be impoverished and whatnot. And then we ask this police force, we give them a gun, we give them a stun gun, we give them a nightstick, and we say, hey, go out there and keep people safe in this crazy pandemonious system that we've set up that's just not it's not setting up police for success like you said those individuals those are humans you know with hearts and and minds of their own would probably prefer to do the right thing maybe not in all cases Um, but if if that job is asking probably way too much of people especially for what they're paid right well breaking bad I, i hate to go to that and, you know, I mean, I'm not saying the show necessarily, but Breaking Bad is 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 a is an example of you where where the pressure overwhelms you, and, and where you're in a situation where you start to change as a person and you don't know it. That is the problem with our society: is that yeah. it, it be, before you even know it's happened, it, it's happened. You are no longer the person you were because you've been forced in the position, and your brain neurons have realigned to this negative, depressed, constant state of aggression and all you have is your ego. So I do sympathize. Again, I agree with you, Michael, the police are not to be blamed. There is a level above. We always talk about in our podcast, we'll keep talking about it. We're looking at the bosses above, okay? Above the the police chief, above even the council, the city council. Mm -hmm. There is someone higher pulling the string, making sure nothing changes and trying to keep that string intact. And he doesn't need much help. It's like spider web. It's really, really sticky but they are doing everything they can to keep us stuck. Yeah. Yeah. The, that culture, the environment that they create um, is where those expectations come from. Right. And that's, that's where the culture from policing, et, et, et cetera, comes to bear. And then the unions, I mean, we haven't talked about police unions and all that, but again, that's, a, that's more of a focus on what we would be moving away from. Um, so I don't want to harp on unions, but. But well, this we don't I... have to because they did quiet down. I mean, they came yeah. out pretty loud and strong during the social justice movement. Let's just be honest. Yeah. And then they quickly backed off because they realized, wait a minute, we have all the power. Oops, maybe we shouldn't complain about being abused when we have the guns and all the power. That backlashed pretty quick on them. Yeah. Yeah, especially because of those, I forget what the, what is it, qualified immunity and, and things like that. There are things that they yeah. enjoy that regular citizens don't ever get the benefit I think of. one of the one of the main unions out of new york was like you better start treating us with respect and it just mm. like the tone was way no, i mean so you guys down. work for us we pay your salary we've got this whole thing set up you know it's 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 wrong for today i don't know that it was right for any time but it's definitely wrong for today the the, the way that's structured so for the takeaway for everyone that's out there, um, because we're quickly going to come up in the end of this episode, I think what we want you to understand is that you need to be, you, it, we all need to be open to the idea of funding solutions to material problems. And one size fits all police department for any city or municipality is not that solution. We see the evidence of it very clearly. So we need to diversify the solutions that we're deploying on the streets for one another. 
Um, and also back to the point, Ray, you made earlier, I think it's really important. As long as we do have police, as long as we do have armed state troopers with authority over us, that they should be reflective of the communities that they're policing. Right. I, I, I think they need to, I think it was called community policing. And I know that's a trigger term or whatnot for for various folks out there but i think the idea that the community like if the police are in and of among of a community that the policing automatically takes on a new form right the authority of the officer now has a role where they don't have to pull out their gun they don't have to pull out a weapon there is mutual respect and this is an officer of the law. So we're going to, you know, allow this person to help resolve some conflict in the community. It's a very different, like, agreeable place to be coming from as a group of people than some outsider with weapons is coming in to put us down to, you know, whether it's a family having an argument or whatever it is. Now the state is just coming to snuff it out. No concern about you know, who's who or what's what. And that's what we really need to get away from in the in the interim. We need to start building, you know, closer relationships so that, you know, we're, we're helping one another more than this adversarial force coming down upon communities. As we move towards a future, right, where we have a diverse set of services so that there isn't only one response when I call 911. Like, we need it. We need a plethora of help. You know, that's, and I think you're absolutely right, Michael. Is this like, a mental health emergency? That. Is this a blah, blah, blah? Is this, you is know, is it an elder? Is it is elder it care? Theft? Is it elder care? Is it a missing child? Do you need armed weapons when your child has disappeared? Or do you just need someone who can organize and coordinate a police force? Yeah. Like, yeah. What is going on here? And, and so you got to ask yourself, what is all this? Another thing I want to just get in before we end, Michael, is that mm-hmm. bystanders, please, right now, what we are suggesting to everyone and citizens prerogative was about being vocal. It's about being that, that, that person who's going to try to say something when they see something, the George, Floyd case was only successful because bystanders were saying something. Take out all those people screaming at the police officer. We've got nothing. It's the same thing here, folks. And I mean it in your friends and family circle. If your friends and family are dismissing defund the police and they're saying it to you and you remain a bystander and silent, that means they're going to take your silence as acceptance and they're going to continue to push their narrative across their social circle. You might be the one individual who finally gets them to think outside of their ass. I'm sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but it gets them to finally (laughs) say, wait a minute, what this really means is not shut down the police department, but restructuring all of this. Should having a thoughtful philosophical conversation, if you will, about what you expect from your police department and from your leaders. That's what we're talking about here. So please don't be a bystander. Make sure you say something, engage. If it's your uncle, your aunt, your family, your friends, if you want to be that individual, great. If you don't feel that you wanna take on that argument, please provide them our information and let them come argue with us because we would love to engage in a spirited conversation. That's the whole point here is for us as Americans to engage. So if you don't want to have the tough talking points, say, hey, you should listen to this podcast. I really think you would find it interesting, (laughs) whatever it takes. Just help lead people to water. It is their choice whether they drink. Amen. Thank you, Ray. 
That's going to wrap this episode. We have been your hosts. Thank you to Mr. Raymond Wong Jr. And thank you, Mr. Piscatelli. I really appreciate that you've never called the cops on me in any of our situations together. Although we have had the police called on us. (laughs) We'll save that story for another time because it's actually pretty funny. It's been something that's for sure. For information on this and other episodes, head over to citizenduga.com and click on podcast. While you're there, hit up our contact us page and leave a comment. We'd love to hear from the community. Special thanks to you, our listeners. We saved the best for last. You are the best and you have been for years. Thank you for your support. We know it's painful and we love you. Intro music sample from OK Class by Ozzy Jock under Creative Commons license through freemusicarchive.org. Other music provided royalty-free through Fizzly and Studios, Inc.